Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Mic Night, the podcast that brings you stories of artists and people on their journey, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate you in the business. Now, today is no exception because I'm talking to someone who is an incredible artist. I'm very, very honored to have her here. She is a fine arts painter. She is a muralist. She is a creative artist and she is a martial artist and she goes by the name of Jesse Novick. Welcome her to One Mic Night. Hi, Jesse, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for giving us some time. Listen, I have questions. <laughs> the, <Shoot. laughs> the first question is, who is Jesse Novick? So that's that's a uh, that's a deep question. Mm. Um, Jesse Novick wears a lot of hats. She's all those titles that you just listed. Um, she's you know she's a little bit of a weirdo, but she plays it off legit. Uh, Jesse does a lot of things. She could be a little scattered, but she like also can hyper focus on any number of um, activities, and she is somewhat of a perfectionist. Um, yeah. How did you how did you get started in the business? Where are you where are you from and how did you grow up? So I'm originally from Connecticut and I grew up making lots of art. I came from a, a fairly artsy family, so we always had supplies in the house. My sister and I used to craft all the time. Uh, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be an artist. I went to um, Alfred University, the New York State College of Ceramics for my undergrad. And then uh, after college, I started I started writing a little bit uh, graffiti, and I started um, just pushing myself a little bit more with uh, large scale large scale painting. So I got introduced to public art through graffiti. Uh, then I was looking for you know I started working in schools. I started teaching a little bit, and I decided to uh, pursue a degree in art therapy. So that's when I, I moved to Brooklyn in 2012 and went to Pratt for art therapy. And uh, I was working as an art therapist for a number of years, earning my credentials. Um, and at the same time, I started, uh, I started working as a teaching artist, painting murals with uh, mostly with youth and with communities doing a lot of community murals. I started as an assistant and I kind of worked my way up to lead. And I loved that. I, I completely fell in love. I love that better than traditional art therapy. So I sort of set out to merge the disciplines, um, painting therapeutic murals with, uh, with communities in various settings. Let's, let's go back for a minute because you said something that's really, I think, uh, critical and important. Graffiti. Yeah. Graffiti is huge in New York City. This oh, is yeah. almost like the birthplace of graffiti and art you know, street art goes back to the 80s when it was, you know, people were painting uh, the the subway yep. the walls everywhere, tagging, you know, how did, how, how was that, how does that play a role in your life? How did that inspire you or how did that shape what you do? So it pretty much opened up my world um, in yeah. terms of public art and just large scale painting in general. Uh, I just loved to want to do it as much as possible. I had a, a partner in the past who introduced me and um, this was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where I, where I got started. 
And I just, I just like dove in and fell in love with it immediately. Uh, once I moved to Brooklyn, I sort of separated from that crew and I, I, I fell out the scene a little bit, um, especially when I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say that I ever got that deep into it or, or developed my, um, my, my graffiti skills as much as I would have liked, but I certainly got a solid introduction and it, it definitely inspired me to continue painting walls, uh, and just try to get bigger and bigger with my compositions. With the compositions. So graffiti is, is sort of a, a lot of political statements, you know, a lot of things against, or not against, but just words for living in society and, you know, the artist's interpretation of what's going on at the time. Does your work do a lot of that or do you concentrate on something else? Um, it varies. Mm -hmm. it, it totally varies based on the, the site, based on uh, whether I'm doing a community-based mural project like with, um, with groups or whether it's uh, independent, whether I'm working on a partner with a partner, whether it's commission-based, it, it completely depends. Um, in my personal work, I focus on sort of more psychological themes, but I think it's, it's paramount when I'm working within communities that I represent the communities I'm working with. And often that involves incorporating very uh, like pressing political themes, um, basically representing what's happening uh, in their environment, whether there happens to be something going on or whether it's just representing the culture. Uh, I try to be conscious of that. I think it's important with public art. I love that. I love that. How did you how did you get started working in the community? Because it seems like it's an important part of who you are. You know, it, it takes is. a special person to sort of do that. Thank you. Yeah. And that also like really kickstarted my uh, my mural career. Um, I got started working with uh, various nonprofits, uh, mostly uh, youth-based nonprofits, arts education, where we would uh, lead a group of, let's say, nine to 15 kids through a, frequently they would be getting paid, depending on the, the location. Um, we would lead them through the design and execution of a mural uh, from start to finish. Or sometimes I would go in and I would uh, lead focus groups with, um, you know, with a select group of uh, people, and then I would have them put their input in, like uh, tell me what they were looking for, and I would put together design, and then I would facilitate a community paint party where they would come in and lay down color, and then I would sort of smooth it out and, and install it on my own. Um, you know, with, within various organizations, they provide the structure. And so I sort of go into different sites and, and do my thing based on their needs. But I love it. I, I absolutely love it. What, what kind of role do you think art plays in, in not only the community, but individually, you know, relating to your art therapy? How does that help? What significance is it? To me, it's everything. Um, to me, it's it's how we learn, how we connect, how we relate to people. I'm a visual, I'm like a highly visual person. So that's my, my language of choice. Uh, it's also, I think it, it connects people on a, a very, um, a, a very unconscious level in that it, it like, the images that people pick up, that people respond to, they that sort of speaks to their experiences, what they've seen and how they process visual stimuli. So based on what types of art people connect to, that sort of creates these other lines of, of connection and communication that I just think is 
fascinating. Um, the field of psychoesthetics, like how people relate to image, what it brings out in them, and how it pulls people together. And that, I guess that's the art therapy part of it, because I mean, you know, we hear art therapy, we don't, you know, you don't really know exactly what it is, but that I guess pretty much is it, is it, it's how people relate to the images that they're either drawing or, you know, visually producing. And then it opens up the conversation to yeah. many other things, right? Absolutely. Um, and it's an opportunity to communicate things that matter, which uh, I care about. <laughs> wow, very significant. So let's talk a little bit about your, your art in particular. Um, I noticed you have some things in the background. Um, you do a lot of, are there subjects that you work on more? Are you mostly, first of all, what, what type of art? What would you consider your art? That's, that's another good question <laughs> because I, I do jump around a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I have a hard time maintaining consistency. Uh, I would say my work is mostly uh, imaginative realism. I like playing with uh, sort of surreal-esque uh, compositions and, and concepts. Um, and I, I try to push as much towards realism as I can while having a very fantastical twist. Uh, the series I'm working right now, we're going to right now is, uh, it's called Natural Armor, and it's sort of showcasing women who, women as animals specifically who have natural armor. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, I, I'm fascinated by animals such as like reptiles, reptiles, pangolins, um, rhinos, reptiles that have sort of a, a hard shell. I think they're hugely symbolic. And I think all too often women in particular are criticized for, let's say, being guarded or having walls up, that kind of thing. It's, it's a criticism I've heard too often. Wow. Um, when I, as a therapist, I feel strongly that those types of defenses, they're there for a reason, they should be honored. And so that's what this, the series aims to do. I like that. I see the one on your, it's, I guess, behind you, it's your right with the sunglasses on. What, tell us a little bit about that one. So this that's is beautiful. my lizard queen. Thank you. I'm just about done with her. Uh, she, she's fantastical. I imagine that she lives, uh, on another planet, uh, ruled by reptiles and she is the, she's the ruling authority. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun. I have a pet lizard with at home. And so I was basically just imagining this world that she might reign over. Um, what goes through, what goes through your mind? I always wonder what goes through, what's the inspiration you have? I have so many questions for you. <laughs> what goes through your mind when you're, you know, like when you sit down to do a painting, you know, like you say, you had a pet lizard was, you know, you think the pet lizard and the woman, how can these two, you know what I mean? Like what goes through your mind to create these beautiful paintings? I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. I would guess it's like stream of consciousness. Uh, I have an overactive imagination. And so once I start thinking about ideas and images, I mean, any number of, of random symbols, objects, figures, you know, in, in my mind, they could just kind of like start, like start pairing up. Sometimes I have to pull back and sort of say like, Jesse, that's ridiculous. Let's uh, <laughs> step away from that idea. Let's bring it, bring it back in a little bit. 
Um, that's funny yeah. because we've we've all seen some ridiculous art that's actually been incredible too. So where do you find you know how do you know when your painting's ready? How do you know when you do? How do you live with it? Do you live with it for a while and you just say, okay, now this is this is it? I do live with it for a while. Yeah? Um, I rarely say, okay, no, this is it. Well, I try to force <laughs> myself too, because I could, I, I, I could overwork things if I was given the opportunity. I, I've been sort of trying to work on um, finishing pieces. Sometimes it's like I get into tunnel vision or, or hyper-focus mode, and I just want to perfect every little detail. Uh, it's OCD, I, I think. Um, so... I, I guess the answer is I never know when it when it's time to to like put the brush down. I just force myself after a certain period of time, and when I get excited about the next project, that's usually when I can let something, let a piece go. Let it is rest. it hard for you to work on more than multiple pieces, or do you do you work better when you just say concentrate on one and then? I typically do have multiple pieces going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, I work with oils and I use a traditional glazing technique. So uh, that requires a lot of waiting time for layers of, of glaze to dry, um, which can be maddening. So while I'm waiting for one piece to dry, I might start off with an underpainting for another piece or I might prep a canvas for another piece. Usually, usually I have multiple projects going on simultaneously but I'll kind of direct most of my focus towards, towards one. Wow. What about the painting right sort of above your head with the, uh, I guess it's sort of a halo around her? Um, that's a chameleon. Here, I'll, I'll give you a closer view. Okay. So this is also part of my series on um, natural armor. Uh, and there's a little bit of glare, so it's hard to see. Oh, beautiful, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's a, a woman with a, a chameleon on her head. It's called Invisible Lady, or Invisible Invisible Lady. Yeah, something like that. I love that. I love that. Thank you. What this is this is great. I love this. The combination of the woman and the animal together with the armor. Thank Brilliant. you. Yes, I mean, like really stunning. Thanks. I, I'm playing with like uh, ego defenses and mm -hmm. sort of just highlighting the, you know, frequently we think of them as really bad things that obstruct our relationships and our, our behavior, but there can be beauty in them too. So that's sort of what I'm trying to validate with this, with this current series. Well done. What about the other images? They look a little bit like, um, I don't want, not Dali-esque, but sort of surrealism. Is that Thank you. Sort of, yeah. Um, so these are from my coronavirus series. And these are, these two actually were painted in the, the Dutch Vanitas style, uh, mm. dealing with uh, Memento Mori or like the, the imminence of death and symbols of sweetness paired with doom, basically. Um, like you, you would often see like uh, skulls paired with, or in the in the traditional style, you would see a lot of uh, candles and skulls and timepieces. And so I was I was bringing that that technique into contemporary context by um, turning the fruits into coronaviruses. Those were created during the pan pandemic. I love um, that. And these other are are part of. You know what's funny is I you know in looking at it. 
even before you said that, that's what came to mind. So that's like a brilliant, oh my gosh. That's like a brilliant thing. I'm glad to hear that. That's exactly what it looks like. Like all the images we saw during the pandemic of what the virus looks like, that's exactly what it is. Thank you. Yeah, I was playing a lot with that. And as I was looking up, as I was like Googling pictures of the coronaviruses, they, they had these really beautiful renderings. They almost look like candy. They're, uh, they're like kind of, I felt like I had to paint them as much as possible. Interesting. How was, how was the pandemic for you? It seems like it was pretty prolific, but how was it for you? It was a huge turning point. Um, I mean, I think like all of us, it was sort of a roller coaster. I had my ups and downs, um, you know, definitely had some losses and had a lot of uh, good fortune. It was a, a huge mix of uh, emotions and, and experiences. But I think most, the most significant was that it caused me to reconnect with oil painting. I had mm. actually taken a break for several years living in, you know, small New York apartments. I didn't really have the time or space, especially working full time as an art therapist. So during the pandemic, I just sort of felt a pull. After I painted murals on my, on my walls, I, uh, I felt a pull to uh, reconnect with oil painting since I had time. I was laid off from, from my job in 2020. Uh, I had a lot more time than I was ever used to during the lockdown. So I just really fell deep back into oil painting. Then I, I got the studio, um, just started like really pushing that more. And I made the decision to focus more on my art and on public art and on um, forming a career as, as a, a muralist um, who was like a, a, a muralist with a, with a therapeutic lens and, and art therapy muralist, uh, which was a departure from the type of work I was mostly spending my time doing previously. I was more doing the murals on the side. So yeah, I made the decision to prioritize art and I, I'm really glad that I did. I love that. I always say this, and I think I've said this in almost every episode, that the pandemic was the best and the worst of times. Like we really suffered some loss and it made you reevaluate your our own lives and what we do as artists and, you know, or as an entrepreneur. So you're not only an artist, but now you're a business person. You're selling your art. You have to find ways to renew your love or start a new love, a passion that you you thought about all this time, but you never acted on. Yep, yep. The time to do it. Yeah, I think it was like a wake up, a, a, wake, a wake up call for a lot of people to uh, really think about what, what they care about, how they spend their time, where their priorities lie. Um, and I think it was really valuable. It was horrific and valuable. Absolutely was. <clears throat> yeah. Let's talk about your murals a little bit. So I know you from the Underhill Walls. Yes. And a beautiful, beautiful, first of all, all the artists on the Underhill Walls, if for everybody who's watching this podcast and listening to this podcast, you have to go to Underhill and what's across the street? Sterling, uh, not Sterling, uh, Prospect, St. John's. I think it's St. John's, yes. Go there and please check out this beautiful assortment of murals by the most incredible muralist and artist around i don't everybody's not from new york city some people from other places curated by jeff baylor and your mural was one of the murals that was on this this wall and tell everybody what it was because it's stunning 
Thank you. It was, uh, I love Lucy. It was a, a tribute. The, the theme of the collective was uh, for this, for this six month period was TV nostalgia. And uh, I was, I, I was, um, so I love Lucy had been selected and I was available to paint her at the time. So I, I was really excited. What is, I what is, I love, what does Lucy mean to you? So I grew up watching her on Nick and Nat, Nick at night. Um, it was special. I remember that uh, sometimes my mom or my aunt, whoever I was watching with, they would seem to feel really nostalgic as we were watching. Um, I remember just, you know, giggling with my with my family watching her as a as a child. So that brings up war memories. Uh, not to mention, she just like has done so much uh, for TV, for history, for women, for race, for you know, for interracial couples. Like she really did a lot in her yes. career and so i think we have a lot to thank her for i agree 100 i love lucy too i grew up watching i love lucy i like all the old classics i would watch the three stooges i love lucy mm -hmm. and i have to say my favorite animation was felix the cat oh yes brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> good old felix <laughs> yeah so you have some other murals around the city too what what um what else have you done or what's is there something um, else that's out there right now so let's, I just finished a vestibule. A lot of my murals have been uh, within schools, within hospitals, um, other types of institutions. I did one recently, the whole interior of a vestibule leading into a school, PS4 in the Bronx, which was very exciting. I did that with the nonprofit Creative Artworks. Um, I've also done murals with New York Health and hospitals. I recently did one at Cumberland Hospital in, uh, in Brooklyn and Fort Greene. I've done a number of window displays, New York Family Court. I did a, a big one in uh, Mount Sinai Children's Center, uh, an underwater theme um, mm. on, a, on a couple different floors. And let's see, a lot of, lot of schools throughout Brooklyn, throughout Manhattan. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. What kind, of, what kind of feeling do people get? I can imagine walking into a school, you know, and someone has a beautiful mural to walk into. Mm -hmm. How do you think that makes kids feel? Well, I hope it makes them feel great yeah. um, and like excited to learn because a lot of times, you know, you're going into school day after day, it gets, it gets boring. Uh, and I, I remember as a kid, I remember the specific artwork that I would be inspired by that would make me excited, that would make me like just wish that I could be involved in creating that. Uh, and so that's what I would like to inspire in kids, give, give them something exciting to look at, um, and to make them just feel a little bit more inspired, you know, throughout their throughout their school day. The specific imagery, I, you know, I, I, a lot goes into my design and composition in terms of thinking about what feelings I would like to elicit. So depending on the, uh, depending on the, the site, I might want to elicit different feelings. So like in the, this um, hospital waiting room, the purpose of this mural was to ease children's uh, anxiety, to ease children's like fear uh, as they're preparing for surgery. It was a pre-surgical waiting area um, within the, the, the children's department. So the whole, my whole intention was to create very calming imagery of water scene, nothing too, uh, nothing too large or overwhelming, nothing scary. I had to be very deliberate with all the facial expressions of the, of the fish. Um, whereas I did one recently in, in Cumberland Hospital and based on feedback that I got from my, from my focus groups, 
it's a hallway where people are walking back and forth, busy throughout the day. It's not really a place where they want to stop and feel calm. They have a lot of things to do. So my intention with that was to uh, show to create a lot of dynamic imagery and create a certain kind of flow that would be exciting and stimulating bright high contrast colors something that would like really hit someone and kind of give them a little a, a little boost um you know as opposed to making them feel calm whereas some of my other murals i want might want people to stop and think especially if they have political themes um especially a lot of the pieces i've done with youth it's the the group projects the community projects that i've done are largely representing their ideas so i want that to come through as much as possible so that they can feel a sense of ownership and also so that other you know other uh people who see that that who, who visit that site could see it and think like if they are interested, think that might that, that could be something that I could do. Yeah, beautiful. Let's. You mentioned something. You said the focus group. Look, can, let's talk about the business side of it all. You mentioned that before too. So not only are you, you know, all these things as an artist, but how does that play in what you do? How does the business side of it all work? Because I want. I mean, I want anybody who's you know planning on to becoming an artist and now stepping into the shoes. What do we do? How do we, you know, harness all this stuff and become a product ourselves so that we can sell the art, so that we can make it work? What's, yeah. What's happening for you or what's any advice you have? For, well, uh, I to have to started? say it's definitely not my favorite part. <laughs> right. Um, I've been just making a lot of efforts throughout the past year, the past few years to learn as much as I can about the business to keep as, as, as good notes as I can. Um, I started a, an LLC uh, just about a year and a half ago, Jane Novick Studios for my, for my mural. So I've just been, you know, trying to read and follow up as much as I can to make sure that I'm going through all these processes correctly because it is it's not my background it's definitely not my area of expertise or interest uh but you know nowadays that's sort of how it's done the artists they they are an artist and a, and a business person it's it's sort of on them to promote to um you know handle all the all the back end unless un, unless they get to a point where they can have that kind of support so i'm just i'm just trying the best as i can to you know figure out what I'm doing and how to do it better. Uh, I've made a lot of really positive connections, especially through, you know, through organizations I've worked with, even those that I, who I, you know, I, whether it was a contract position or whether I moved on to something else, I try to maintain positive relationships with them. Frequently, they called me back in for a mural. So that's really helpful. I just, I, I try to utilize my network. I, I really try to ask questions and, um, you know, figure out those, those artists who have gone down a path that I... You just said it. You just said the key thing, I think, is asking questions because we don't know. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing is when we don't yes. know, we have to ask questions. Yes, absolutely. Um, and sometimes I have to push myself to do that. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to ask questions. Sometimes mm -hmm. you don't want to admit when you don't know something or you don't want to bother someone or, or feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're stepping on someone's toes. 
but that's been the most I, I've gotten the most information from asking very specific questions to people who I admire, who've done the things that I'm working on. And usually people are eager to help. Usually people are happy to pass down that uh, that information. So yeah, I think right. integral. I think in this, and I have to tell you this, my new year's resolution this year was to learn, to learn as much as possible. And this podcast started during the pandemic. Okay. Mm -hmm. ah. and so I feel like, just like you, I feel like I've found my voice. This is what I do. I've always hosted shows and things like that, but I, I, I sort of changed my live open venue to a virtual venue. So that's why I always start off by saying, I have questions because I mm. want to know, I want to learn. I want to learn what you have to teach me. You have a lot to teach me. So I'm always, I'm always learning. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning from you too. It seems like you've like really expanded since uh, since going virtual. Has that like opened up? Like it has opened up so many doors. I mean, honestly, just talking to people, I feel so invigorated. I'm I'm an artist who's inspired by other artists. You know, I make films. I make you know, I'm an actor on stage, but I'm inspired by the work that other artists do. That's what pushes me to the next level. So when I get mm. to have conversations with you know, artists like you and everybody else, I, I feel so invigorated. So it's been great. Thank you. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> honored to be here. <laughs> where, um, where can we see your work? How do we get in touch with you? So my website is jnovicstudios.com. Um, it's, it's J N O V I K. And my Instagram is jnovic, N O V I K underscore studios that's it that's it okay i want to thank you so so much for coming on the show and tell giving us the knowledge and and bringing your vibrant energy and showing the beautiful dynamic work everybody please within the sound of my voice make sure you go to her website work work is for sale you can oh, yeah. shop on the website uh, there's a link to my Etsy, and I can also be directly messaged for commissions um, or for pieces that aren't uh, on my Etsy shop. There you go. Make sure you slide into the DMs, as they say, and find out how you can get in touch, you know, to get custom work done or art therapy and all of these other things. But definitely go to the website and check out the gallery and see the incredible, beautiful work. She has a new collection out. It's called, what is it called? Women in Armor? natural armor natural armor and i love it thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of one mike night everyone please make sure you share like and leave comments down below i want this episode for everybody to see jesse novick you can follow me at marcos luis m-a-r-c-o-s-l-u-i-s and follow the show at one mike night one mike night is on all digital platforms you can listen to the audio on anchor.fm you can now watch it on spotify and definitely go to the youtube page and check out old episodes of one mike night live series from all the independent artists playing and i want to thank you this is one mike night artist session we're out